How many? How many? No, he deserves all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. No one, I mean no one, has done more for us than Father God and Jesus Christ. No one has been able to give their life and it be a ultimate sacrifice, that it, it, it meant something, means something, and because of it, we live and move and have our being. I want to, I want to encourage you this morning as I encourage myself. How many, how many need encouragement this morning? Some kind of way, as as it's some kind of how. I need some encouragement. I need some lifting up. So our scripture reading is going to be taken from Psalms 121, verses 1 through 8. Psalms 121, verses 1 through 8. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we want to talk about knowing where your help comes from. Knowing where your help comes from. Let me ask this question. Have you ever been in a pickle or a bind and you find that you can't do it yourself no matter how hard you try? You recognize you need help, but you don't know where to go or who to go to. Anybody ever been that way? It may be a financial situation. It might have be a medical assistance. Or you're hungry. You need, some, you need some food. But no matter what it is, you're in a pickle. 
and you need relief from someone you can rely on. Yeah. I mean, I don't need relief from somebody I can't depend on. Mm-hmm. I need relief from somebody I can rely on. Yeah. Somebody to uh, be there when I need them. Amen. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the time, whether it's 3 o'clock in the morning, I can call on them, yeah. and they'll be there. When a time like this comes up, usually you think of someone that could possibly help. Huh? Let me see, think about it now. Who, who, can I, who can I call? But before you go to them, you ask yourself this question. What relationship do I have with them? How do I treat them? What do they think of me? Last time we talked, was it good or was it bad? What will they look for in return? Will they tell anyone my business? Will I be able to pay them back? And how would I pay them back? If you are the person being asked, your thoughts may be before helping. What relationship do I have? How do they treat me? Will they pay me back? Last time we talked, was it good or bad? These are things that can run through our mind before assisting someone in need. I am so glad when I need help from God, he does not entertain these questions. I'm going to say it again. I am glad that when I need help from God, he does not entertain these questions. With the mind of Christ, it is the relationship you have with Christ regardless of the last talk you had with somebody. It is not about how, you, how they treat you. With his mind, it is about how you treat them. Amen. If you see your brother in need and shut up your bowels of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in you? Mm. Remember, Jesus said, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, Ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus also said, As you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Or they would treat people like you want to be treated. And, and listen to this. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what credit is it that to you? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them who are who, of whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. Mm. Are we not higher than, greater than the sinner? Mm. So accept your righteousness exceed the religious folks as well. But of course, again, we're talking about our help coming from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But we must not forget when God gives us help, when it comes, it comes from 
or through ordinary people like you and I. So verse 1 said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. Let's look at I will for a moment. I, that's you. That's you. And it says, I will. Will is a choice of action. So when you say I will, it means you are making a choice. How many of you make a choice every day? Amen. In fact, you make a choice more than a hundred times a day. You always decide on something. I will. I can do that. I will. Lift. Your choice is to lift up your eyes. So lift means to raise up. Huh? Raise up. When we say eyes, we don't mean the physical eyes. We are talking about your spirit, your continent, your being. When you are down about something, that is not joyful. That, that was a good spot for you. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's joyful when you're down about something. Is When there's a need, when you are in one of those pickles, your spirit drops. You become worried. Your thoughts are not clear. You become troubled. You don't think straight. Can anybody relate to me? Everything becomes negative. You can't see light for darkness. When we lift up our eyes spiritually, it means we are lifted up in our faith. We are lifted up in what we believe. Our heart, soul, mind, and all that is within us is lifted up. When things are not as we wish them to be, we must rise above that occasion. We must speak to our soul and say, Soul, magnify the Lord and give God all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Am I talking to anybody in here today? I just come to encourage you as I encourage myself. See, I, I need this. See, pastors go through things too. But I'm thankful that I have somebody that can listen to me at 3 o'clock in the morning. Amen. Somebody that doesn't put me on hold. Somebody who does not drop my call. Amen. Or say, oh, huh, every once in a while and walk away from the phone. And come back. I, I hear you. I know what you're talking about. I know I'm talking to somebody. God does use others to help his children. So let's look at how Rahab was used by God when Joshua sent two men to spy out the land. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 2, starting at verse 1. 
Joshua chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho said unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I was not whence they were. Notice her response. She didn't say where they are. The word whence means from what place. See, the Bible, basic English translation here is saying, I had no idea where they came from. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I would not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. Back then, the cities were surrounded by walls. They kind of had their own curfew. In day, the gates were open to go in and out. When it was dark, they were closed, so no one could go in and out. Verse 6 says, But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. So the only way in or out was through the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When ye came out of Egypt, and what you, did, what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites, they were on the other side of Jordan, Shiloh and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Just like the people knew what God did then, they also knew what Jesus did before he got to the next town. With God they heard and knew about the Red Sea. They knew how they overtook the kings, and they knew they were headed in their direction. When Jesus was there, they knew about the miracles. They knew about the sick. They knew about the dead being raised. So in many cases, when Jesus came to another city, he was expected. Remember what it said in Matthew? 
When Jesus entered into the city, it said, the men of that place had knowledge of him. They sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. And all they wanted to do was touch the hem of his garment that they could be healed. They knew what Jesus was all about. So today, when men see the works of God, when they see the works of Christ, do their hearts melt for fear? Or do they defy God in their innermost? See, the world has become so wicked, man has become so ungodly again, if Jesus was here right now, I believe many would try to crucify him. Just for a natural example, let me say this. This is where we are today. If you look at the news and the weatherman gives a warning and shows you what is happening in the next state, and you see the storm is headed in your direction, damaging winds 80 to 90 miles an hour, a tornado has been sighted coming your way, what do you think man will do? What do you think he'll do? The stars would have no toilet paper. No batteries or generators. Food and alcohol shells would be down to almost nothing. Saints, every, even today, people are making fallout shelters and stocking them with food just in case of a nuclear war. And do you think they let you in? Man is in fear for his life. What do you think is behind a lot of this gun control? Fear. Man will not seek the help or wise counsel from the Lord. God and church is no longer man's first choice. Back to Psalms verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. This is, this is what we all should be saying. No matter what the situation, no matter what the condition, no matter what the environment, we should be saying, my help cometh from the Lord. David said his help comes from the Lord. Out of all that David went through, out of all that David did, he still said, my help comes from the Lord. When he slew the bear, he knew where his help came from. When he slew the lion, he knew where his help came from. When he slew Goliath, he knew where his help came from. When his enemies came against him, he knew he would be delivered and protected by God. He knew who God was. But we also know who God is. Amen, lights. We know God as our Father. We know God has sent his son Jesus and has made Jesus both Lord and Christ over us. We know when we need help and who it is that has come to help us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you know where your help comes from? Do you know who your help is? Look at Colossians chapter 1. 12 through 19. 
giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in, in light. First, we give thanks. In the good or bad, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning us in Christ Jesus. And in giving thanks to the Father, we include Jesus, who is our help and mediator. If we don't honor the Son as well as the Father, we have disrespected the Father for not honoring his Son. Even in the time of our temptation, Hebrews tells us, for in, the, in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is, all, he is able to secure them that are tempted who had delivered us from the power of darkness, in verse 13, and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Father God has translated us and delivered us by Jesus. Translate means to put in simple terms, to render in another language, to conform from one style to another. First Peter tells us, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what is being done is being done through Jesus. God has made it simple and has provided us with a spiritual understanding and has made it possible and available to be conformed into the image of his dear son. So by Jesus, we have all the help we need. Look at verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. The first help we need is to be redeemed. We need forgiveness. How many can see this clear? I need help from what I was doing, and I need help not to do it again. I need help from what I was doing, and I need help not to do it again. Jesus' blood was shed to forgive you of what you were doing. And God's Spirit is in you to help you not to do any more. Listen, if someone saves you from drowning, do you go back out and test the water again? Huh? If Jesus has saved you and the Holy Spirit tells you where the deep end is, why would you go out there? Say, I, I, I've told you this before when, when we went to Michigan Adventure and I got into the water. You know that big wave be going? And I'm, I'm, I'm walking into the wave and I'm just, Jumping and going with the wave and going with the wave and the wave is going up and down and, and when the wave would come up and I'd be up and come back down and I just kept jumping and kept jumping and all of a sudden the wave come up and, and I, would, I was still under the water. And, and all I could think of, you know, how your light just flashes before you. I, oh, Lord, this is it. And, it's, and, and I'm, I'm looking up and I'm under the water and I can see the lifeguard. And the lifeguard don't know what I'm doing. 
And I said, by the time, by the time I pass out, I'm, I'm gone. And I just I, I, I said, Lord, and I tried to jump the other way, and it kept, just kept jumping, it kept jumping, and, and finally, uh, finally, I had, I got breath, I got to breathe, and I just, kept, I just kept on jumping, I just kept on jumping until I got back to the end, and I just walked on out the wall. Didn't nobody know what's going on but me and the Lord. Now, do you think I went back in there and touched the waters? I wouldn't even get in a life where I have to go back in there. So God has saved you. Why would you go back into the world? I don't know about y'all, but Lord showed me something. I ain't going back there. Verse 15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, Jesus is the express image of God. Hebrews tells us, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. It is Jesus that did it. He purged our sins. Look at verse 16. It says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. How could this be? Because in the beginning, Jesus was in the bosom of the Father as the word, and he declared him. So when God said, let us, Jesus was part of that us. So all things were created by him and for him. Even the tree that he was crucified on. He knew it would be. But he came anyhow. Verse 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, meaning he is superior to all. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now, let's look at verse 3 of Psalms 121. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Or he will not allow it. By the blood of Jesus, by the guidance of his spirit, he will not allow it. It is on Christ the solid rock we stand. All of the ground sinking sand. First Samuel two nine said, He will keep thy feet he will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. If there can be any comfort, you can find it in this. Proverbs 3.23 says, Then shalt thou walk in the way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Then it says, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Again in Proverbs 3.24 echoes, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep 
shall be sweet. Amen. You see, God gives his children sweet sleep. When we lie down at night, we have no worry about rising in the morning. We, we, we don't even, sometimes we don't even check the house to see if we don't lock the doors. We just, I'm good. We have confidence that we will be taken care of. We believe God watches over us in our sleep, and he does. God not only watches over his children, he also watches over his church. The foundation of God's power and goodness on which we stand cannot be moved, and while we stand on his word, our foot cannot be moved. That is why we must stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made us free. And don't be entangled again with your own understanding. Jesus has been given to us, and by him we are kept. The Spirit of God brings his word to our remembrance that we do not slip. Let me close with this familiar passage of Scripture. John 16, 7 through 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Jesus is the instructor and teacher. But he had to go out or he had to leave because otherwise all dependency would be on his flesh. How many can, can see that? If Jesus stayed here and continued, that is what would happen. While he was here, they tried to make him a king. Verse 8 says, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. God's Holy Spirit is who we should be listening to. He will teach us. He will guide us and bring all things to our remembrance of sin because they believe not on me. You see, the Jews were being reproved then and now, as well as many others are being reproved today because they have not and will not believe. They will not receive Jesus as being the Messiah. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Jesus is our righteousness. And because of Christ, we are the righteousness of God. The Holy Spirit will reprove the world of the innocence of Christ. It says of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. All sinners in like manner can expect to be condemned. For Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Jesus also said this in John 12, 46 through 48. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and received not my words has one that judge him the word that I have spoken the same to judge him in the last day. With that, my time is up, and I thank you for yours.